This is an AI Group podcast. I'm Tony Melville, Head of Communications at AI Group, and today I have with me from Arena, Darren Miller and Peter Henke. So we'll be talking a little bit about Arena, but also their most recent report, which is on process heating. Now, process heating accounts for the largest share of fossil fuel use in Australian manufacturing, and historically, there's just no alternative renewable process heat technologies that are commercially competitive. And so we're talking about 40% of all fossil fuels go into manufacturing in Australia, into industry, broader industry, and half of that is uh, for process heating fossil fuels. So first of all, just a little bit on ARENA. And uh, Darren, tell us a little bit about ARENA. I know you, you help a lot of companies, but there are many others that are out there, I'm sure, that could do with some assistance. Thanks, Tony. So it's a pleasure to be here. So ARENA is the Australian Federal Government's Renewable Energy Agency, and we've been in business for the past eight years. Uh, and we've been investing in, we've invested in over 500, uh, almost 550 projects to date and committed $1.6 million of uh, government money to those projects. And our goal is to accelerate the shift to renewable energy, uh, both in terms of the technologies that can provide renewable energy, as well as then increasing the supply of renewable energy. And to date, a lot of our attention has been on the electricity sector, where we've done some great things, particularly in solar PV and enabling technology, but increasingly, we've been turning our attention to the industrial side because industry accounts for 40% of Australia's final energy uses, um, as we pointed out. And there's, there haven't been a lot of renewable energy options to date. It certainly hasn't been taken up at scale the way that we have started to do in the electricity system. And while industry is a harder nut to crack, um, it's a crucially important part of the, of the story of transitioning to renewable energy and a low emissions economy in the future. And so we at ARENA, uh, in revising our strategic priorities um, last September, uh, decided that industry was a key priority of ours, and we've been working very closely with some of the largest players as well as some of the small players in industry to try and help them understand the options and to move them towards renewable energy technology in, in their processes. So that's the aim, reduce emissions. Reduce emissions. Absolutely. Reduce emissions and get industry onto it. Okay, so we, as we mentioned in the introduction, industrial process heating. It's a big deal. Um, what is it? So it's essentially um, creating heat in industrial processes, either low temperature heat in certain types of manufacturing, like uh, pulp and paper and, and uh, food processing, and high temperature heat in the things like steel, uh, alumina, aluminium, um, and, and cement processing, where you need temperatures close to 1,000 degrees and even more to uh, refine the ores and the metals and create, and create the, the things that industry is producing. Traditionally, this heat has come from fossil fuels, so whether that's gas or coal, and increasingly we're looking at renewable options for those things like hydrogen and solar thermal heat directly from the sun, uh, as well as heat pumps for the lower temperature um, heating needs. So that's essentially air conditioners that are moving um, energy from an a, 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 a energy source like the air or the ground where there's heat and transferring that uh, into, the, into the energy process. And clearly things like biomass is another example of where uh, you can get a renewable source to create that process heat. Uh, so from waste products, from forestry waste products or from um, human and animal waste products, um, there's a renewable source of energy there that increasingly people are looking at um, as being both cost competitive as well as emissions uh, emissions competitive relative to the incumbent technologies. Okay, Peter, anything to add to that? In industrial heating. I think that was a really good um, overview from, from Darren. Um, I, I guess the, 
other point I'd make is that um, whilst we're looking to transition an increasing number of industries across to renewables, some industries have already been using renewables for a considerable period of time, um, which is um, perhaps not always appreciated outside of those industries. Um, but industries like, for example, um, sugar processing have used a large proportion of renewable energy. That's the waste product from the actual sugar cane that, that gets processed. And similarly in the pulp and paper industry, again, the waste material from what they're processing allows them to use a, a large proportion of renewable energy. But we're looking to go beyond that now and say what other industries can potentially take up renewable energy. Some of the ones that Darren mentioned are the ones that we've been looking at in, in particular um, at that, that lower temperature scale, um, where heat pumps, for example, might be appropriate, or perhaps solar thermal, or biomass indeed, um, all, all the way up to those very high temperatures of you know, 1,000 degrees and, and, and more um, for, for solutions in those areas. Well, now, you mentioned heat pumps. I think they're fantastic, but a lot of people were probably as ignorant as me a couple of years ago where I have a place up north and I was going to replace the water tank and they said, heat pump. And I said, yeah, but I won't get any solar rebate. And they said, it's considered solar. And the, it, it's, a, it's a great save. So it's because it just takes the ambient temperature, it converts that into the heat and the electricity bill just goes through the floor. I mean, it, do people know enough about this and about the heat pump technology, you think, in industry? And also, does it work everywhere? Because it's not going to work in, say, Tasmania, is it? Because you won't have that ambient heat. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, the technology is improving and the efficiencies of heat pumps are improving. Uh, but we're looking at uh, like a project, a built environment project, for example, in Victoria, where you know, they have pretty cold, cold winters, and this is heating a, a potentially a leisure centre, for example. And uh, you would think, well, how do I ensure that I've got enough heat through winter to heat water? And, and, but, but the engineers can do a good job at figuring out efficiencies and what's required. And in most circumstances, heat pumps are, um, are something that will work in, in, in most of these sort of low heating environments. Clearly, when you're getting up into the high temperatures, we're not talking about heat pumps anymore. Uh, but certainly for, um, you know, for that sub-100 degree or just above 100 degrees, heat pumps can work. I think, I think the other really important part about heat pumps in the industrial setting, as opposed to <clears throat> you know, the hot water system at your house, for example, is your um, ideal situation is where you've got both cooling and heating, because um, that's where heat pumps really excel, um, because they, they do produce cold on, on one side of the machine and hot on the other. Um, so when you need both of those things, you get double bang for your buck, essentially. So lots of, uh, lots of industries have both um, refrigeration or chilling and also process heating. Um, and, and they need hot water, for example, for um, washing down or for, for the process in brewing in, in, um, in uh, the beer industry, for example. You have a lot of refrigeration, you have a lot of heating in those sort of situations. Uh, a heat pump can make a lot of sense because you're getting two bites of the cherry. And Pete makes an important point, which, which is highlighted there, which is it's, it's about efficiency, first and foremost. It's not really about, do I just make a switch to a renewable source? It's about, how do I think about my, my process? How do I make the process more efficient? Because the energy you save is the, most, is the easiest energy in effect and, and the most valuable, and obviously it's emissions free if you're saving it. So we always um, start, and in, in industry, we always want to start looking at their process. How do they make it more efficient? And then how do they add renewable energy into, into the remaining bits that they need? Uh, Did you get into the remote sensing technology? Because I was talking to a, one of our members fairly recently who runs the very hot machines that obviously won't be good for heat pumps. And he was saying, I've just got it all on my phone. I, I know 
what's happening. I know I can adjust if one's got running too hot, one of my machines running too hot, I can cool it down and I'll be saving a lot of energy simply from that sensing. So is that a... Yeah, that um, sensing wasn't a, an explicit part of um, this particular report. So we'll really, the report is a, is a compendium of what are the renewable energy technologies, what's the, the universe of technologies that could be used, and then where would they most likely be and most appropriately used. So that's that's really it's a reference source for industry to think about what are the options available to me. Um, but the sort of thing you're talking about, the, the sensing and the control forms a really important part of the knowledge base before you sort of leap into changing technologies. It's really having a good sense, a good understanding of what your energy use is and what level of control you have over it. A lot of industries are still operating on you know, relatively early stage um, uh, measurement, um, particularly when it comes to heat. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of companies, for example, are using steam that gets generated centrally in a boiler and distributed around a plant in, in steam pipes, and there's not good monitoring of that. Traditionally, steam's been quite difficult and expensive to, to monitor, and there hasn't really been a good reason to do it. And so there's not good insight into how much heat goes where, for what, for how long, and, and ultimately what temperature you know it's been used at. So that sort of upfront measurement um, this is a really important piece of the, um, of the puzzle to help companies understand well, what I really need is temperature X for time, one hour or whatever it is. <clears throat> and, and that then allows you to really hone in on what the most appropriate solutions might be. I remember a company told me fairly recently with his factory was um, the electricity was going haywire and he couldn't work out what was happening in the factory and he had these big rollers, I think they were, that were going. And he called in the energy company and they said, well, the problem is you're generating energy when you put the brakes on on this big gear. And he had no idea that was happening. And this is a major facility. And so he, he is now producing energy from the braking equipment. So there's a lot of, lot of things you can do and that, that as, you know, a simple phone call fix that one up. But uh, anyway, we'll get into that sort of detail later. Um, so what are the big barriers, Darren, to companies actually getting into this, apart from ignorance on you know, my part? Well, I mean, I think, I think there's a general sort of uh, incumbency in, in the market, right? So for industry, they're just busy getting on with what they usually do, producing the widgets, producing the product that they, that they, uh, that they set up to do. And energy, while important, is not their core business. So there's a lack of maybe a deep appreciation of the options that are available. There's also a lot more options now than there were 10 years ago. This space has moved relatively rapidly over the course of the last few years and, and decade, especially with things like solar PV and monitoring, as you said, and digitization. So it's a combination of we, we know how to do the things we've always done. We're don't really not aware of what else is out there. So it takes a bit of, you need to take a bit of a pause, ask the right questions of the right people. Uh, I think there's also just an expectation of um, very quick payback times on investments. So industry generally looking for payback times of around four years on investments or even under. And that's quite challenging. I mean, we're talking about it. 25% return on investment, um, you know, I'd be pretty happy with that in, in my own personal life, but industry's got, got a high barrier there to, to what, gets, uh, what gets funded. And these, some of these renewable projects are touching on four years, but often are sort of in the four to seven to eight year timeframe. So they often don't get a look in, in terms of capital expenditure programs that companies are going through. And I think the other element to, to talk about also is just the long investment cycle. So we're looking at, say, the alumina industry, which is a um, you know, uh, accounts for 10 to 12 million tonnes of CO2 per annum in Australia, which is pretty, pretty significant. 
We're a major producer of alumina in Australia, but these plants are on 60-year capital cycles. So how do you get in the door there with a, a refurbishment or, a, or, a, or an investment decision when your plant lasts for so long? And when something breaks, you, know, you call the boiler company, for example, if you're producing heat and they know how to do boilers, they don't know much about heat pumps, for example. So it's about being able to take a pause at the right time in your investment cycle and say, have I future-proofed my next investment decision? You know, is there a better technology solution? Is there something that'll get me a cheaper result? Is there something that de-risks me for climate in the future, for example? And that's a key key element to the future. It's about do I understand the risks that are coming down the pipeline over the next decade or two? Certainly, if I'm investing for a decade, you need to be thinking forward as to what the world looks like in the future. And certainly, climate and emissions is a key element to that too. I imagine that the the COVID, the pandemic period, might be an opportunity for some companies. You know, they'd have to have some decent cash reserves, of course, but they might be. You need to shut operations down to do some of the things you're talking about. Is that you're seeing companies maybe getting more interest because they might be shut down? I think the point you make is is really valid. That there are people shutting down, unfortunately, and and I guess the um, silver lining on that cloud is that it does give you an opportunity to do things. Um, unfortunately, what we are seeing though is. You know, because of COVID, um, money is very constrained amongst many organisations for obvious reasons. So whilst there's sort of technically an opportunity to do something, um, often the screws come down on the on the budget and... Um, and but you can help them, can't you, with some money? Well, potentially, um, yes, but it, we're, we're having those sorts of conversations with a number of companies at the moment and the response coming back to us is, yeah, I'd really love to do this, but there's no spending at the moment. But, you know, the um, head office has said, stop all spending. Um, and we can help, but we can't fund 100%. Does it want a dollar for dollar or something? Is there a typical...? Yeah, we, we generally don't fund more than 50% of a project. I mean, sometimes for very early stage stuff, we, we, we might, but typically we're looking for co-investment from industry, and particularly Minister Taylor, through this roadmap process that's happening right now, is very keen to ensure that government money gets a, gets a high degree of leverage with the commercial market. So. It's uh, looking for more of a partnership there between government and industry so that we're on this journey together. Okay. So um, gas, I understand, Peter, you're, you know a bit about gas. So what's the situation with gas at the moment? Um, can, you, can you really get away from gas altogether? Um, well, I don't know that we're talking about getting away from gas altogether, but I, I think what we would see is just as we're seeing a transition in the electricity sector um, towards greater use of renewables, um, we see the same potential in industry um, to transition towards a higher share of renewable energy. Um, so I, I think nobody's saying you know, transition out of gas tomorrow, but it's, as Darren was saying, you know, think about what your options are um, at the appropriate time in your investment cycle to start to transition um, towards renewables and um, you know, climate-proof um, your asset base. Um, so I think you know, the first steps we see companies taking are often around um, energy efficiency retrofits combined with you know, a small step into renewable energy. It might be a, a small heat pump installation or solar thermal or biomasses uh, in, in appropriate places, um, not necessarily to go to 100% of um, their, their needs, but to, to take a step in that direction is um, how, how we're seeing companies responding to it. So if they want to, Darren, if they want to take a step in that direction, how do they get in touch with ARENA and what's the process in, in applying for 
assistance? Yeah, so we've got a, a fantastically skilled workforce um, across Canberra, Melbourne and, and Sydney and we uh, work with proponents who come to us on a daily basis to help them understand what our processes are. Our website, arena.gov.au, has got a wealth of information about both past projects as well as what our investment priorities and approach is. And certainly it's very easy to get in touch with us and uh, one of our business development people generally then starts to work with you to try and shape your proposal and make sure it's uh, in the right form and, and ticking the right boxes so that we can assess it uh, through, through our normal processes. Okay. And Peter, there's a whole bunch of projects in this report. Are there any going ahead or is there any good project updates or anecdotes on them? Um, well, there's a number of case studies in the report. So the, the ones in the report are, are projects that are are already implemented um, and as Darren said you know we're working with um, people constantly on bringing new projects through so as they achieve funding then then we announce those on the website um, and, and yeah there are things moving ahead not as quickly as we would like to see um, and COVID's not not helping um, but definitely we are um, having deep conversations with quite a number of players. So are there any other good resources you can recommend to people for advice in this area, you know, in addition to this report, obviously, either of you, Darren? Yeah, so on the, in terms of the um, uh, lower temperature heat and, and opportunities for buildings and for manufacturing at low temperatures to take advantage of renewables, there's a group called uh, the Australian Centre for Energy Productivity, uh, A2EP, uh, who are um, a bit of a peak body for smaller manufacturing uh, facilities to help them understand the technology options available. Uh, we have a number of projects in the area where we've got case studies, but certainly someone like A2EP is a good good place to start on the small scale. Pete, you might have some suggestions yeah, for, the, for the high temperature stuff. Yep, A2EP's done a lot of work particularly around the heat pump area, so if people are interested in heat pumps, A2EP is a good resource. Um, the IEA, the International Energy Agency, um, has put out a report in the last couple of years, two or three years ago, called Renewable Energy for Industry, which I think is also a really good resource. Um, and the other one I'd call out, um, which I've personally found really uh, helpful, is from our friends across the ditch in, in New Zealand. Um, so ECA, which is the Energy Efficiency Conservation Authority, I think, um, in New Zealand, um, have put out a really great report um, looking at uh, sort of an international technology scan on technologies for process uh, heat. Um, and it's a, it's a great um, companion, not just focused on renewable energy only, but lots of other technologies also um, for, for more efficient delivery of process heat. So all of those, I think, would be good resources. And I might just mention, in terms of bioenergy opportunities in particular, we're working on a bioenergy roadmap for Australia. So uh, we were asked by the Minister to, to look into that, and we've been commissioning a study into bioenergy opportunities. And bioenergy is an important source of uh, potential heat for industry, not just um, large industry, but distributed industry in regional Australia. Uh, often, you know, we've got a case study of a company called MSN Milling that we supported We've achieved a 70% cost reduction in their production of steam, 70% reduction from using what they were using before, which is LPG, boilers down to biomass, so waste wood chips from local forestry in the Manildra area in central New South Wales and have achieved an amazing cost reduction. And all it took was a bit of foresight from the owners, um, the Bob, Bob uh, Max Smith and his brother, and help from Arena and the introduction of a Danish company who had the boiler technology, and they now have done the first one and now rolling out additional 
the Danish companies taken on additional projects in regional Australia. So really fantastic opportunities for deep cost savings and deep emissions reduction savings. I know Bob Max Smith. <laughs> no orange area. Yeah. My, my sister-in-law is, is married to a Max Smith. Fantastic. <laughs> I've got a bottle of his canola oil on my desk in Canberra. I haven't... He, makes, any, a, he makes a lot of canola oil. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's a great area. Okay, look, um, any final word, Darren? I'm no, just really excited to be working um, with AIG and, and, and thinking about some of these issues and certainly appreciate your, your support for what we do um, and look forward to a close collaboration with you and your members over time. Okay, Peter? Uh, yeah, um, I, I didn't mention at the beginning, but um, you know, my role in, in Arena is to work specifically with industry. That's that's what I, I focus on. So I'm really keen to, to hear from any of your members that are um, thinking that these sorts of uh, technologies are, are of interest to them. And, and we'll what's your what's your email? Do you want to give that out? Um, it's just just my In, name. I'm sure it'll be on the on the pod link, but it's just my my name dot arena dot gov dot Darren dot Miller at arena dot gov dot Oh, sorry, I'm Peter dot. Oh, Peter dot. He's saying that because the spelling of his last name Peter dot Hanky H A E N Finelli K E. Okay. Well, thank you to um, Darren Miller and Peter Hanky from Arena. It's uh, just for this brief podcast. Thanks, Tony. And thank you. And look, just before we go, I would I did mention during it that there's going to be an in-depth webinar, which no doubt I'll be involved with, and I'll read the report before then. This is we've talked about some of the broad brush strokes of the arena's work on process heat. Our group's energy expert, Tenant Reed, will host an in-depth and interactive webinar with Arena, going through the sectoral opportunities in detail and answering questions from you. And you can register, register for that at aigroup.com.au, www.aigroup.com.au. Thanks a lot, Arena, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Thanks.